right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the seventh edition now, I believe, of the Source Technology LA Cyber Team podcast. Join us here once a month here on the Source Talk, uh, Podcast Network on LinkedIn and elsewhere where myself and other fantastic recruitment and security professionals will be breaking down challenges and future outlooks across a variety of industries from a staffing perspective as well. I'm Alex, your host for today's conversation, joined here by Jason Loomis, Chief Information Security Officer over at Mind body, a fellow podcaster as well, and a fellow Oregon Duck like myself. Thank you, Jason, for hopping on. <laughs> Go Ducks. Glad to be here. Thanks, yeah. Alex. Thanks for yeah. having me. Of course. I appreciate you coming on. Um, I guess just to start us off, Jason, if you're willing to just maybe give a general run through a background of your current role within security and, of course, how you got started in, in the industry, what the journeys kind of looked like for you would be great. Yeah, sure thing. Um, luck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think luck is an unknown factor. Um, mm -hmm. You know how much you want to do stuff. Things just sometimes align the way that they do in life. Um, I think a lot of people probably listen to this podcast, which you know fits into how do you get into security. I kind of got lucky that just a confluence of events and you know sort of stumbled into it. Kind of how I got into tech originally. But I was originally in network engineering and data center operations and systems engineering for about ten years in finance, and then through factors of Oregon, <laughs> yeah. uh, University of Oregon being one, meeting two mentors, Gene Kim and Paul Love, uh, during my grad program there, and then getting a job that I worked closely with some HIPAA compliance requirements. It was mm -hmm. sort of those things, three things combined that allowed me to be able to pivot into security, which at the time I knew was a growing field and something that I found really, really exciting. Um, what's more exciting than being attacked every day yeah. <laughs> and having to defend <laughs> yourself. Um, and I've been in security for the last 10 years. Previously, I was chief information security officer for a company called Textile, which is Fabletics and Savage X. Lingerie might be a famous part of that. So, Yeah, fair. Well, thanks for the quick run through. I guess since you've been in kind of that chief security role for the last several years, I guess, what are some of the changes since um, maybe you first started in that leadership role to where you are now, maybe at, at MindBody from an overall perspective? You know, the shift to the cloud, probably that's the biggest, biggest monumental change that we're seeing. Um, and I'm of the, if you would have asked me this five years ago, I was a data center guy because I grew mm -hmm. up in data centers. I built them, I designed them, I managed them. Uh, I would have said, you're crazy. The cloud, it's someone else. Why would I pay someone else to do my job and what I yeah. can do better? And I want to, I want to grab that guy by the collar and shake him a little <laughs> bit and be like, what were you thinking? Because sure. the cloud just makes my job so much easier in security. It gives me, you know, visibility. I can see everything. I can access everything. It's, it's just so much easier. So yeah. I think that's the biggest paradigm shift. And oh, yes, along with it come new risks, mm -hmm. and, but it's a shift. And you know, it's one of the things exciting about getting into security is that it's that frequency of change. Not only do you have the normal yeah. technology frequency, the Moore's law, the every 18 months, something new is happening in technology. You compound that by having to secure it and having to defend it because there's new attacks coming out at that same, you know, breakneck speed. So it's really exciting. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. I guess kind of same sort of question. What changes have you seen in security from maybe a hiring perspective? Obviously, you've built out a number of teams. It, what, what changes have you seen, you know, if any, in the last couple of years or the last decade or so? Within the last couple of years, I've honestly seen, I'm seeing the shift finally to, you know, really focusing on going outside of people with security experience, mm -hmm. you know, it's because there's, you know, 700,000 security jobs are going unfilled this year. So yeah. it's such a high demand. So if you're listening to this, you want to get into security, now is the time. Like, yeah. 
it's it's amazingly it's a, such a great opportunity and i think that's one of the biggest things is the shift to all right let's open our eyes a little bit and look outside of i don't need five year security background for a tier one entry-level analyst or entry-level mm-hmm. security engineer i just need somebody who's either developed or somebody who's you know done sysadmin work yeah or even for an entry level somebody who's taken a test and is computer savvy you know kind of knows their stuff or has into computer gaming or has built computers that's really probably the biggest shift in the last couple of years. Yeah. The last 10, 10 to 20 years, I think it's been, it's become, there's a lot more business involved. So communication skills, uh, people facing skills, team building skills are, are a higher commodity. I think if you come to the table with, let's say, you know, 20% security experience, hey, I've done some security, but you have 80% experience working with people, communication skills, business skills, I think that puts you at the top. Yeah, fair enough. I guess you just kind of touched on it a little bit there, but maybe more for an entry-level person or somebody a couple of years into the field. What are some of the more important backgrounds or skills that you've seen where you think will be more important moving forward just in general? <laughs> so I hope I'm not unique in this, but I might be. You know, one thing that I'm a fan of seeing on experience or at least talking to it, because you may not, want to, may not want to put it on your resume, mm. is restaurant experience. Yeah. I love people that have restaurant experience because it means they can handle uh, customers. They can handle a lot of customers. They can handle negative customers. They know how to talk to people and how to serve people. Yeah. And that to me is key when it comes to security. A big part of what security you're going to find that we're doing is working with other teams. It's security is no longer, you know, Brent to quote Phoenix project, you know, some guy sitting at a keyboard for 12 hours a day. It's you're interfacing and teaching other people security and working with other teams. So that's probably one of the biggest skill sets I look for. And I think uh, you're starting to see a lot more of that people skills. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, in the recruiting that I do for a number of clients, oftentimes people that do have experience in customer facing roles will come off better just naturally in an interview, obviously, but also in a lot of the requirements for roles that we see having on, um, you know, those kind of people come off quite well. Um, I guess maybe to pivot a little bit as far as like types of skill sets or types of roles that you think will become more important within the industry you know everybody wants to get into penetration testing for example what are maybe <laughs> some other yeah. you know avenues or angles for people that are trying to get into the field that maybe they could go target and you know something that's maybe less competitive yeah that's that's a great call out i see that it's funny you brought that up because that is Anybody you talk to, I want to get into security. They want to break things. They want to yeah, hack, right? Exactly. That's, that's the, um, and I think it's, uh, I think there's too many people wanting to do that. And threat hunting is another one. I want to go find the bad guys and go dig. Yeah. Those are the top two. Um, I would say, here's what I see missing. Secure development. And that's actually, if, if money floats your boat for security and you're like, I want to make a lot of money in security, that's where you're going to make it. You yeah. Know, learn, learn secure coding practices. And become an expert at that. I think a missing piece too is database security. I don't see a lot of people that understand, you know, RDS, SQL, the standard database and best database security practices. Um, usually, if you find somebody who's in systems and has to do and has to cover that, mm-hmm. and then probably one of the easiest entry points is cloud security. So yeah. AWS, Azure, Google, the basic cloud security certifications. I think there's a big need for that, and that's probably the easiest path to entry right now if you want to get in security, in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. And you just brought up kind of another point around certifications or things you can do outside of an actual, you know, nine to five job. What are maybe some of the other programs or boot camps or certifications that you see that are actually, you know, helpful or important? Because, you know, oftentimes when I'm recruiting for clients, they'll say, you know, they need to have a CISSP, three years experience, whatever have you. And some of the requirements just don't, don't really make a lot of sense or aren't 
um, enabling them to, you know, find more talent, I guess, what are some of the um, more key certifications or, or boot camps and stuff that you would recommend maybe? Yeah. You know, it's really funny, Alex, is you, you, you called out the one that I was going to mention and then I forgot the CISSP, but you need three years of experience to get the CISSP. Yeah. So it's this evil <laughs> loop. So I am no longer going to say CISSP is one that you should have. It's a nice yeah. to have. And once you're in, get it. Um, the AWS certifications, so like the architect certification, the security, uh, it's not foundations, but there's an AWS security certification are really great entry levels and they're pretty inexpensive to achieve on your own. I think AWS has their own training platform, including labs, just having that on your cert. Um, any of the GIAC, which are the government you know, certifications, the base mm -hmm. certifications is like, I think there's a, I forgot what the, GSEC, GSEC is like a couple day class. It's a really good baseline security certification. Again, that's inexpensive and pretty easy for someone to tackle. I really like those. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and, and I And I do think a certification, yeah, there is there's probably an argument you've heard before, right? Do I need certific certification? Some people are on the side of, oh, they're a waste of time and a waste yeah. of money. And then there are people that, hey, I absolutely look for those. I think it's a, it, it's a great middle of the road compromise yeah. to not having to get a major and do four years of school for computer security, mm -hmm. but not coming out of the gate with nothing. And it's something to put on your resume to float to the top. Yeah, fair enough. And then outside of certifications or other things to put on your resume, what are some side projects or things that people can do outside of work? We mentioned OWASP and like Bug Bounty, that kind of stuff on the podcast here in the past. Um, you know, what have you seen or what do you see on a resume besides like restaurant experience and other stuff we're talking about that might come off really well for a, for a more entry level or mid-level security role? Yeah. Feel like I'm not like I'm gonna have I'll, you're gonna you're never gonna have me on as a guest after this because I feel like <laughs> I'm going so outside of the box. Um, oh, I, I like to I like to see nonprofit experience. Yeah. I like to see how are they involved in the community. Are they volunteering? If you don't, you should and get that mm -hmm. on your resume because that really floats someone to the top as a as a testament to your character. Mm -hmm. And in today's world, hiring character. Well, I've always thought. It's not just today. Character is everything, but it really mm -hmm. builds about who you are as a person because the. The certifications could be equal, the, the background, you're going to kind of gloss over that, but who you are as a person is what's really going to step you up and especially like for talent and for character. So, yeah, fair enough. Well, it's a good call out. I mean, I'd, I'd argue at least a, a decent portion of hiring managers don't look for that kind of stuff or recruiters don't look for that kind of stuff, but it can come off really well. So that's a good shout. I guess pivoting into maybe more senior level hires, manager, director, even up to like the CISO level, something I've noticed in the industry is people, CISOs, et cetera, are usually looking to stay within the industry they're in, or they feel afraid maybe to break out of that industry. I've heard, you know, industry snob, snobs in the past or whatever have you in healthcare or finance, whatever. How, what's your take on that? Do you think it's necessary that's, that a CISO be an industry expert in something and stay in there? Or do you think that security kind of is, you know, all over the place, I guess, if you understand my question? I totally understand your question. And it's funny you're asking, like, do CISOs feel that? I was going to say, do recruiters and hire people hiring know that? Because yeah. I get frustrated with that, with the industry saying, oh, we're looking for someone who has, let's say, you, you know, uh, a movie studio. Well, we need someone who's worked at a movie studio before. Mm -hmm. Shenanigans when it comes to security. Security yeah. is security is security. You're going to find the same basic controls, the same basic concepts. AWS is AWS. Either I'm storing data for a healthcare organization or it's you know it's digital man digital rights to you know a, a movie editing film or something so yeah 
No, I, I think absolutely you can go across industries. I've done myself, I've done SaaS, uh, business services, fast fashion and finance yeah. and healthcare, all mm-hmm. three. So no, I, I don't hold to that idea that you can only stay in one vertical. Yeah, fair enough. And from a recruiting standpoint as well, you know, when a client comes on and, you know, they're looking for somebody within a certain geographical footprint that's been a CISO at another X company, I'm like, you've really only narrowed it down to probably 10 people and you probably know who they all are already. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to bring you those, the, the people that you're expecting anyways. You need to be able to open things up as much as you can. And then once you have a wide funnel, narrow it down as much as you can, at yeah. least from a hiring perspective. Exactly. What are the qualities of that that you funnel down to and then expand back out the funnel and find those qualities across different different industries? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, fair. I guess pivoting again, how do you think talent professionals, one, and then also hiring managers, security managers, et cetera, can promote better practice in opening up to underrepresented groups like women, minorities, veterans, for example, we've talked about a lot on the podcast. What do you think your outlook is for, for those conversations? Wow, that's a that's a good question, and yeah. you know, speak. It I don't have an answer for that, and it's really tough because that first part of the funnel that you mentioned is such a numbers. You know, AI. You're almost running AI against it. Okay, mm-hmm. go do these search terms, and I've got a thousand resumes, and I need to get it down to fifteen or thirty that I can look at, and you're yeah. going to run a you're going to run you know a script against it. Yeah, and you're going to filter out a lot of potential candidates and a lot of that quality that I was speaking to. So it's really tough. I would say. And I never like this answer because I don't like mm-hmm. doing the work, but it means that you almost have to customize your resume for each position you're applying for. Mm-hmm. And you have to tune it to be, what are they looking for? Okay, AWS, spell it out, You know, go for those key words just to even get you know, your foot in the door past yeah. that first initial pile in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, fair enough. For like an internal recruiting team or a hiring manager, I think the number one thing you have to do is just recognize it in the first place. A lot of people, you know, when they send out a job request, don't even have that in mind. You know, obviously you're trying to fill the best person for a role, for example, but where a recruiting agency like myself or people that are kind of aware the situation can come in is provide diverse and equitable um, talent pools to people. Um, obviously that's where the industry is going. It's been better, but still a lot of room to, uh, room to improve, I guess. Specifically on veterans, and I know we've talked about that a lot on the podcast, but for someone that's breaking out of of military or even just government work specifically, that's kind of had a hand in security in those really large organizations. How do you think they can best break into like the private sector? Is that's often the goal for a lot of those people? It's my experience and my opinion and my experience with within my peer group. And I have a pretty extensive peer group. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you should be highlighting your military experience and that should be at the forefront of your resume because I don't know a single soul in my, in my peer group that mm-hmm. doesn't respect, you know, the sacrifices that you've made for our country, the person yeah. who's, yeah, who's yeah. got that. So to me, if you highlight that, that floats you to the top. Number one, number two is, you know, try to bring in as much enterprise technology as you have that that's where even just taking a, a basic four hour space certification, AWS, so you can get that AWS keyword certification in your resume, you know. even though at a role you may not have worked with AWS where you worked on DOD systems or military systems, getting that in there. And then I, I definitely would be proud of the fact that you're a veteran and I would put that at the top. Yeah, wonderful. I guess final kind of main question, obviously the markets, the global markets, the tech economy is is taking a bit of a turn. How do you see the security market? And we mentioned those 700,000 job openings. Do you see that decreasing or increasing? Or how do you see... Um, you know, the overall security market turning as, as the global markets are turning maybe a bit? 
I see entry level increasing mm-hmm. and at the higher the food chain, maybe some consolidation, consolidation of roles. Maybe if there's going to be layoffs going to be hit, it's not going to be at the entry level. And in fact, I think yeah. companies are, are going to increase, you know, there's seven, they say 700,000 unfilled security jobs. And I believe that they're going to start looking towards more entry level and pulling people. So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity if you're at the lower end of the spectrum in your experience curve with security. Sure. And I think it's going to be a little tougher at the top. I think the, crazy hiring bonanza and pay bonanza that we've been reading about and seeing is going to taper off, if not, you know, drop a lot over the next six months to a year. And it'll be another couple of years before we see it sort of. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. will definitely be interesting to see. I guess those are kind of the main chunk of traditional questions we have. Um, I don't necessarily have too many more for you, Jason. I would be happy to hear if you have any questions for me, obviously working entirely in the security market from a talent perspective, um, any insight or, or questions from you, I'm happy to take as well. You know, it's more of a comment to anyone who's listening about this. If you're working with a recruiter, the good recruiters, uh, um, if you're just giving your recruiter a bullet list, you know, okay, I need AWS, I need this, I need this, you're not recruiting right. That's not the way to recruit talent, to find talent and to keep talent. You should work with your recruiter to understand the needs of what fits your team and the talent that that person represents, not what they have on their resume. Do they have the capability? Do they have the ability? And that's what you guys are great at your job of, you know, picking up the phone, initiating that conversation, getting to know that that candidate as a person and realizing, oh yeah, this is going to be a great fit for what Jason's looking for because he's hungry. He's, you know, he's new. Yeah. He doesn't have this, this AWS experience, but he can pick it up and read it and get to it really fast. So my advice to, to anyone that's working with a recruiter is don't focus on skill set, mm-hmm. focus on talent and capability and use your recruiter to find that. Yeah, I would agree. And and even at all levels, I mean, obviously myself focusing more on senior level hires like like yourself and, you know, directors, et cetera, they've got long histories and you can talk through quite a bit of background with them. But even people out of college, one, two, three years of experience, you still want to dig into who they are as a person, what their skill sets are, what their passions are, et cetera. Um, and I know we've talked about that a bit here. So I think that's a good, uh, that's a good call out. Um, yeah, go ahead. I do. I do have another question for you directly. Yeah. Do you get, um, so at, at, at a level of director or above, um, how much can you, do you, if you do push back when you say, you know, you're looking for all these things, like you gave the good example of, oh, I need someone in LA, <clears throat> this vertical, that's this. Do you go, you know, you're, this is kind of ridiculous. Let's, let's meet somewhere where I can get you a better candidate and let's think outside the box. Yeah. Short answer. Absolutely. And it depends, you know, how, what the client relationship was, if it's maybe the first role we've been working with them or if we've been partners with them for two years, obviously you've got a bit of cadence with them, but um, short answer, we, we know what a good job rec is supposed to look like for a various number of roles. And when somebody sends one on, um, you know, it depends who made it, but we're able to say, you know, we can tell this is the skill set you're looking for. This part of the job description kind of cuts you away from some of the ability for you to see other candidates. And we'll show them, you know, just a, a redacted resume or whatever, say, this is who you're looking for, but they don't fit this, what you're putting in the description, but I'm sure they could fit the role. So I've done that with several clients in the past. And short answer is yes, we, we do give pushback. Obviously, we want to make it easier for ourselves. Um, and, you know, we just want to be able to fill the position easiest. So um, if, you're, if you're a hiring manager, if you're another talent professional listening to this, being able to have those conversations and give pushback is going to be quite important. And that's, that's really what a partnership is. Obviously, we're not just a, trying to be just a resume shop, right? We're trying to work with them. So that's kind yeah, of the, the short answer. The client doesn't always know best. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. Awesome. And, and, and it's, especially if it is like an HR contact or somebody that's, that's actually put the job description together, um, that maybe doesn't recruit security all the time. It's natural that they're not going to know some of the main points to put in there or, or look for. And, and obviously that's where, um, hiring managers in security or, you know, external partners like myself can really come in and, 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 and fill the job. So yeah, that's a good call. That was a great question. Um, Unless you have any more, that's kind of it from me. I appreciate everybody listening. Of course, I appreciate you jumping on, Jason. Everybody go give Jason a look on LinkedIn and his F-Sides podcast if you want to give a shout to that, Jason. I don't know too many details, but yeah, definitely appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, Alex. And yeah, it's uh, fsides.com and it's uh, the Cyber Humanity Podcast. Myself and Paul Love co-host and we release every two weeks. We talk about really the more human side of cybersecurity. Wonderful. Check it out. Thanks again, Jason. Take it easy. Cheers, everybody. Thanks, Alex.